We care about our land more than somebody down in Ottawa. A land code puts the First Nation into the power of government. The biggest point for me is your ability to protect your reserves lands. Former chief of our community had the vision to sign uh, and the guts to sign that framework agreement. Business at the pace of business. I think it just proves that First Nations lands management really is working. The good thing about land code, we don't have to sell it. It sells itself. Welcome to the Land Decolonized Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Perry. This show is for leaders in First Nations land management, where we explore community land codes and the people behind them. People like Bart Matansonine of Anambigu, Zagigan, Anishinaabek in Ontario. This episode is different for two reasons. First, Bart is relatively new to his role as a land management trainee. And secondly, his community only got official reserve status in 2008. Here's our conversation, starting with Bart's story about his family name. Our original name was Fournier. So in order to become treaty, they, they gave us the name Metansonite. And there, there's no meaning for it. It's, then I call it, technically, I call it myself as a government name. And my father is, uh, he's still, he's still, uh, uh, still alive. And um, he changed his name back to his name, the Fournier. So his name is Maurice Fournier. Now that has a bit of a French ring to it, francophone. Yeah, and I think that's why we had to change our name because it's sound because it is a French name, Fournier. So how could you become at that time treaty and have a French name? So the government said, no, 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 we're going to give you this name. And treaty was how long ago? Uh, that was uh, 1850. That's when they signed the Robinson treaty and that there. They signed it in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Uh, there was only um, three chiefs that went there. And technically, we uh, we settled our ancestors and families. We settled in a small town, a small community called Ababaka Bay. And that's where they settled in that there. And we did have a representative, a chief, Call uh, Chief Somo, and um, he was the one that represented Ababaka Bay uh, First Nation. And um, he did not go to Sudbury to sign the treaty for our people. So technically, we did not sign that treaty. And I read that for many years uh, you were considered, quote, the lost tribe. Why was that? The Lost Tribe is pretty much that um, we didn't have a First Nation. We just uh, trapped hunting out there around Lake Nipigin and that there and settled here, settled there, and then we finally made a homestand at Abubaka Bay. Yeah, one of the bits I read in the internet said it was the Lake Nipigon Various Places was the name, and then you became Lake Lake Nipigon, Ojibwe First Nation. And you're right, I think 1985. Then it changed to Lake Nipigon, Ojibwe First Nation. Then from there, Zamuzyagin and Nishnabek. And that's a fun name to pronounce. I was going to beg your forgiveness because I've tried to pronounce the full <laughs> name several times and I've just struggled with it. So do you have a shorthand or a code? Uh, we just call it uh, AZA. AZA. Yeah. 
So I'm okay if I use AZA for the rest of our conversation? Uh, Yes, uh, because the Land Advisory Board, they they spell it and they recognize us as AZA as well, because it is a hard name to pronounce. So what about your own personal story, Bart? Have you grown up in the community? Um, That's very interesting. When we settled in Abubaka at that time, that's where the family settled. That's on the northeast quadrant of Lake Nippian. And then uh, from there, uh, there was a hydro dam that uh, that flooded uh, Abubaka Bay. So the family, not there, they moved, they call it across the tracks. There was a logging community called Auden. It was on higher ground. And that's where all the people from Abubaka moved to Auden, and that's where we we uh, we lived in that there. What do you remember about the early days there in the new area? For myself, I stayed in Auden for probably roughly th- three years in my younger days. So I was pretty much like around there, and then from there I moved to uh, Armstrong, and then from Armstrong we settled into. Jellicoe. And what kind of hobbies did you have growing up? Do you remember the things you like to do? I like to run. I was a long distance runner. I, I like my hockey. I wasn't a Gretzky, but I was a, <laughs> I could say I was a good hockey player. Volleyball, baseball, all the sports except for uh, soccer. I didn't really, for some reason, I don't know why, but that's the only sport that I didn't really was keen on, or golfing as well. I'm not a golfer. I'll rather take uh, maybe two or three or four buckets of balls and then go stride because I'm not going to go walk around for to find this and find that. <laughs> and th- that's my opinion about it. Somebody once said that all golf is, it's a good walk that's that's ruined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll take the cart. Yeah, I'm with you. And if it's any consolation on the hockey, there really only was one Wayne Gretzky. Absolutely. And I did go to his hometown. Um, I did see the street. I see where they used to live when they were kids and out there. So it was a very amazing, beautiful place in uh, in Brantford. Um, the arena, the statue, the street they have for him and out there. So, yeah. He's the only one. Yeah. Okay, let's go from uh, hockey to land code. Why don't we start first of all? Now, you're fairly recent to your position, right? Yes. So how did that all come about? Um, there was a land manager training course that was uh, uh, hosted by Anelma. And um, um, our community planner approached uh, the membership at a community meeting she brought it up nobody came forward so so i said well so i went to talk to her and i checked it out and and the first question i asked like uh what it's about she briefed me and pretty much said um that's um uh, alice sansis is our community planner she pretty much said did you want what go ahead and apply bart uh, uh, you got nothing to lose, but a lot to gain. So, so I talked to a uh, few past chiefs, Ryan Bizard, um, my sister Yvette. They were 
former chiefs of the band to get some pointers, some advice about this role, uh, this whole role and uh, responsibilities. So, and they said the same thing. You got nothing to lose. You got a lot to gain. So I said, okay, I made up my mind. I'm going to take this course. So I applied, I got in. Um, then the funny thing about it, we had to uh, photocopy the first the first uh, module. So, okay, I went to a hotel here that's uh, owned by First Nations. I got them printed out. Okay, I thought it was going to be like maybe 10, 15 papers. Went on and on and on and on. And I was with my younger son there. So it was probably uh, uh, that uh, when you buy a pack of papers, the stack, that's how big it was. So I glanced through it fast and I said, they're talking about the British Act, the Indian Act. And I looked at my son, what did dad get himself into? <laughs> and he goes, well, dad, you're involved and you applied and now you're going to learn. So I said, yep, yeah, that's true. Because I'm a person that does like the challenges and that there. So, so that happened. And then our first meeting was, I think it was down in Toronto, if I'm correct. Uh, it came around to introduce yourselves. There, I think there were 17 of us, and uh, I call them my family. Um, so they are all introducing themselves. They, were in a, they worked in the land department for 10 years, and some for 5, some for 15, in this section, that there. When, when it came to my turn, I said, well, I'm from Azamuwe in Nishnavik, and they, they, they said, where's that? So, you know, and then I said, well, it's in the northeast of Thunder Bay, Ontario. So, and they said, okay, um, so what kind of experience do you have on the lands? I said, well, I, I, and then I worked in the forestry, so I know the forestry. I'm a carpenter. I was a scaler. I said, so today, I said, the only, I, I'm just a carpenter. I said, I don't have no experience in the land department, but if you want me to build your house, that's no problem. I'll build your house. You can give me a test on whatever about houses. I'll pass that. I said, so this is totally new. They asked me about uh, how many um, members are on the co uh, in the community. I said, well, we're a brand new community. I said, we just got our land base in 2008. So I said, technically, we only have a beach there where people go in the summer. There's no houses. There, there's nothing there. So I said, and I said, our membership is scattered across Canada. Um, there's majority of them that lives in um, uh, uh, Geraldton, Ontario, here in Thunder Bay. And there's some in Vancouver, some down in Nova Scotia, some in the States as well. So, so we're scattered across. And then when we got our land, and and that took a lot of work in order to get that piece of land as well. It was challenging because of not uh, having no experience. But the group I had, and they helped me along from day one. And then I got hired on for, as the, from the band to uh, to be a land manager trainee which i still am i only need one more credit to complete it can you put it in concrete terms like what has land code meant 
for AZA? The land code, when I finally understood and recognized what the land code is, and and being a first uh, first nation that that doesn't have a community, and I said this land code, what I know about it, this land code is going to help our community or to develop a community under the land code. If I'm correct, I think we're the only ones that are under the land code that are building a community, and so and I seen the benefits. And my main focus was that this code, uh, we call it, it's the people's code. They're going to help to develop the community with their input, especially that we're brand new. The environment and that there now, uh, like, we'll have our own uh, control. As a matter of fact, we're, that should be, uh, uh, it should be finalized in May. Is that uh, an environmental management plan that you're working on? Yes, and that uh, that is going to help to protect our land and resources. So that's going to, that's, uh, that should be done. We're in that um, milestone three, the draft, and then um, milestone four is to uh, finalize it and have it on as a as a document. Is that the first major law within the land code law that you've worked on? Um, that's the first one uh, that I've been involved in, but I did like all the steps and procedures of uh, getting that ratified. My community planner, Alice Sancis, uh, that's who I work side by side with on this land code. And it turned out before we even selected the date to vote, she said, Robert, I see you do have a good understanding about the code, the framework agreement. I feel confidence I'm giving you to take charge of the land code. So that's where I met wonderful people to guide me along, to help me along, and to know more of the code. And the most important thing I say is that engagement part. I love the way you frame that, calling it the people's code. Yeah. Uh, in all the episodes we've done, I think that's the first time I've heard it phrased that way, and it's, yeah. uh, it's very accurate. Yeah, because people have their voice, and we learned that from Chief Jerry Dequette. He, he, he did a presentation after on their reserve, and uh, it's pretty much the terms that he used that. If it wasn't for the people, it, this development of the community wouldn't really happen. It was nice of him to come down to do a presentation about it. So, so yeah, so I truly believe and I strongly believe and I support the code and I'm passionate about the job. And the code is like um, some of my family members and friends say, that's your baby that you signed uh you you got uh, it was ratified and when we did the final signing of the individual agreement we had ann scott uh, i think she's the regional director they came to partridge lake our reserve to sign the final individual agreement in person i'm glad you mentioned chief uh, jerry duquette jr uh, from dokies right dokies first nation we had him. He was one of the first people we interviewed on the podcast. So uh, when we do post this episode to the internet, I'll include a link back to his episode because it was great. And I'm sure other people might want to listen to uh, what their experience was. So Bart, as you're looking uh, toward the horizon over the next couple of years, what are some things that are at the top of your agenda that you'd like to see happen in connection with your land code? 
<clears throat> and now is uh, pretty much is to have a, a better structure in place that that uh, that lines up with the land code. We uh, like the environment is the first thing. In order to build something and all that stuff, you have to have it all checked out, assessed. Right now, what I see happening, it's happening fast, that we finally got hydro hooked up in 2021 in December. We already had 20 lots surveyed where the community is going to be. And this spring, we're going to break ground to build six houses there. The roads are being worked on as well. We are, um, myself, my main project, well, with uh, to be around with the hydro, the building of the houses, is that, I, uh, that I'm working on to have our campsite because it's a beautiful campsite we have, but it's small. So, so my main goal is to get that recognized lake as a, as a standard, as a provincial camp lot. Is that at Partridge Lake? Yes, that's at Partridge Lake. So that's the main uh, stuff that's happening now. And on top of that, I'm in the process. If things go right, and I think they will, the first office building on Partridge Lake, AZA, is going to be the land department office. That's working out. And if it does go through, I'll have it in there early next spring. You, along with chief and council and other band employees, must be so proud of where you're at now compared to, you know, a couple of years back. Oh, we're very proud. And uh, and then I, I thank, like, all the leadership for their roles. Alice Sancis, that's, uh, I call her my mentor. And she guided me along in that there for the last few years. I learned from her and, you know, and the people themselves, you know, and they're very proud as well from where we were and uh, where we are now. I'm honored to be part of this land code. Other communities who are thinking about looking at a land code would be really interested in in hearing this podcast and your perspective as somebody who, who came at this right from ground zero, right, having no background in it to, to learning what you had to. I think they're going to be inspired by your story, Bart. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, I met, uh, there's uh, uh, three First Nations, including us, that are under the land code. Um, there's uh, Lonlac 58, us, and Sandpoint. But I hear Rocky Bay First Nation, they sign to join in as well. So in a small area for communities, if you have them four First Nations that are under the land code, we do have a lot of land. Uh, we uh, The four communities will, will gain a, a back their land, a large portion under the Greenstone uh, District. We did join up uh, partnerships with the Greenstone Mine for employment. We joined up with two other, three other First Nations as well. So there's um, there's a lot of potential, and the code is going to be making a major. Uh, they're going to, it's going to make a major play in this development by, like, just joining up with the uh, Greenstone Mine. It gives us now the opportunity to train our people to go on the land and to, to start to use their skills. So you know we do have 
the right and a very good staff and the leadership to work together and to move forward now. And now, like I say myself, I, I tell the people, it's, we have a lot of First Nations across Canada that is watching to observe, to see how this nation under the land code is going to develop, to build a community. Well, if they're ever short in their building and they need a carpenter, I think there might be somebody who could throw a, throw his belt back on with his 20-ounce hammer and get out there. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. And that's what we're saying. Now, you know, there's, there's so many potentials. And right now, um, you know, uh, the people are, are, are people are starting to notice how this community is starting to develop, especially when they start to see them houses built. And then the hydro hooked up powers on the lines. When them houses are built, that is going to bring back our people. And we could create jobs now. It's starting, it's, it's starting that process. So it was very interesting. But like I said, myself, I enjoyed. You've covered an awful lot in this half hour, Bart. Is there anything else you, you want to add or give a shout out to anyone? The most important thing I could say in closing is that the first council and the first chief uh, were planning to have a celebration this summer for the land code, the hydro, the housing. And it would be very, very nice to have them three holding the eagle that was presented to AZA of being the 102nd operational first nation. There's only one my dad holds holds it. I got a picture of it and he's very proud because they they were they were the ones that started this. And now to see how far it came. So that is my goal is to have them three at this big celebration. Well, just in closing, I, I want to wish you luck in the community, and I also hope that you've still got some frozen ice up there for a little while longer so you get to uh, get out there and keep the hockey up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There still is there. Bart Matanzanine, thank you so much. You're very welcome there, Richard, and uh, we'll talk again. For more on BART and the Land Coast Story, check out their website at aza.ca. And for the best resources anywhere on Land Code, go to labrc.com. I'm Richard Perry, and I'll catch you next time on Land Decolonized.